We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is January 25th, 2024. My name is Jonathan Osborne, as always, joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what is going on, my friend? This happened one other time this year, Jonathan, and I just, I this is where I got to start off. I'm not happy about it. The Magic play Monday, Sunday, Monday, and then you don't play again until Friday. I think this has happened once or twice one or two other times this season. I don't know. I don't know how it happens because I don't think the, we played the Cavs on that back-to-back two, uh, Monday, and I don't think the Cavs play again until like Thursday or Friday. Like They got a break too. I don't know what the reasoning is, but I just, you know, I, I, I spend, you're, you're in season mode, and you're like, your brain is conditioned that every other night pretty much at least you're going to be sitting down to watch a Magic game. And then I got to wait Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then finally Friday night, this team plays again. I don't remember if that's common, but it's crazy. I think the stretch you're referring to is uh, when we played Saturday, December 2nd, and then we went Sunday, Monday, Tuesday without a game, and then played Wednesday, December 6th. So that was when all of the in-season tournament games were getting figured out. Like if you weren't moving on to the knockout stages, they had to schedule those two games in between. But it does feel like we've had more stretches like that this season than most. And I think that is probably why, like that other pocket that we had. And now we do have this like atypical stretch where you don't play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but then you play Friday, like coming off of a back to back. And then you have one day off and you go immediately into another back to back. So it's definitely a weird pocket of the schedule that we're in right now for sure. And it doesn't help that we lost in terrible fashion the most recent one. So we just got to stew for a few days before we even get to see them redeem themselves, hopefully against the Grizzlies. Yeah, that was super unfortunate. The loss to the Cavs Monday night, 126 to 99, in which we'll talk a little bit uh, more in a, in a few minutes about. And then folks, don't forget, well, don't forget, but I mean, you probably read the the show notes or the description, whatever we did here. Uh, Jeff Turner, color commentator for Bally Sports Florida and the Orlando Magic in front of the podcast. 
um, has pledged the last couple of years to meet with us like after each quarter of the season. So now we're a little bit past the second quarter and the halfway mark of the season. So Jeff Turner jumped on the show to talk a little bit about how the Magic have been performing You know, the, the second quarter of the season, obviously the, the injuries being a big part of that. And then we got to talking about Shaq's jersey retirement and the rejuvenation, I guess we would say, of the Orlando Magic theme song. So all that was really, really fun. Make sure that you stay tuned in for the, the later part of the episode to hear our conversation with Jeff. Always appreciate his time. Luke, we've got a couple of housekeeping items to touch on before we get into uh, Magic Basketball here. Next watch party, folks, coming up not this Friday, but the next Friday, February 2nd. Crazy to say that we're already in February already. Uh, that night, the Magic are in Minnesota to take on the Timberwolves. We will be at Elixir, downtown Orlando. I don't have that address in front of me. I'll, I'll try to pull that up in a second here, Luke. But Elixir, we were there once last season uh, for the, the, the season opener against the Pistons. And one thing that I remember from Elixir is they have one heck of a patty melt. So they're located at 9 West Washington Street, downtown Orlando, Florida. That game tips off at 8 o'clock. So we'll be there around 7.30. But Elixir is a really cool layout. Awesome vibes last season. It was so much fun. Obviously, it was the first game of the season. And uh, yeah, we're looking to get a win this time against Minnesota, Luke. It would be nice if we could do that. And you mentioned the melt, the patty melt. The patty melt was was literally out of this world. I did not get to attend the last time we were at Elixir. So I'll have to do that. You're a big melt guy. You, You might be the honorary podcast melt aficionado expert. I'm the melt man. You're the... Mm. yeah mm. sure um so <laughs> melt man i'm gonna try the the melt when we're at the uh elixir there on what'd you say february 2nd yeah next friday so starting at 7 30 party's gonna jump off around that time tip offs at eight o'clock and i hope to be like deep in a in a patty melt uh during that first quarter there so I don't call whatever kind of visual you want to take from that that's up to you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. What a start to the pod. Folks, if you are part of our Patreon tonight, if you're listening to this on Thursday, January 25th is going to be our next patron Zoom for our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons. So if you are one of those already, Hall of Fame, Elite Tier patron, please be sure to join us at 8 o'clock on Zoom. We're going to post the link in the Patreon. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, this is a great opportunity and a great time to do so. Again, at the Hall of Fame or Elite Tier level. Uh, where we'll hang out and just talk Orlando Magic basketball, sort of check in with everybody, see how everybody's doing. Magic are sitting two games uh, above 500 here, almost at the end of January. So everybody should be feeling relatively good about the Magic. So looking forward to that again tonight at 8 o'clock. And Luke, uh, votes for uh, All-Star has ended. We talked about this on the last pod. So tonight, again, as you're listening, uh, the starters are going to be announced on Inside the NBA on TNT next Thursday is what we're really going to be paying more attention to. At least I think it would be crazy if Paolo was voted as an all-star starter in his second year. But next Thursday, the reserves are going to be announced. So we're going to be tuning into that to see if Paolo makes the all-star game. We're going to try to time it so that we're on playback when that announcement happens or if Shams leaks it, whatever. It would just be really cool, I think, to be able to react to that in real time, either to be super pissed and burn down the entire world because Paolo got snubbed, or to celebrate that our guy made his first All-Star game. 
Now to the state of the Magic, Luke. This week, the Magic are 0-1 so far uh, with a loss to the Cavs on Monday at home. They currently sit 8th in the Eastern Conference with a record of 23-21 and on the year. They are 11 games back of first place Boston, 7.5 games back of Milwaukee, 7 games back of Philly, 4.5 games back of Cleveland, 4 games back of New York, a game and a half back of Miami, 1 game back of Indy, 2.5 games up on Chicago, 4.5 games up on Atlanta, 5.5 games up on Brooklyn, and 7 games up on Toronto. Luke, it's starting to feel like I think you were were texting about this earlier uh, or or later last week that the seedings are are sort of being settled a bit. We're not seeing teams just like jump all over the place like they were a couple of weeks ago where we were fourth and then we were seventh and then we were fourth and then we were eighth and then we were fifth and then we were sixth. We've sort of settled into these spots here, you know, 42 games in. Some of the teams at the top of the Eastern Conference are are creating space. But in regards to Cleveland, New York, you know, we're four and a half games back of Cleveland, four games back of Chicago, a game and a half back of Miami, a game back of Indy. Four and a half games is starting to to feel further and further away. But especially with Miami and Indy, and you've got Chicago two and a half games behind you, you know, these six, seven, eight, nine spots are, are starting to feel a little bit tighter than they were a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and the the important thing to note is that you the, the good news is you can always look ahead on the schedule and see, despite the current circumstance of the standings, there is a path, even in the near, near future, for the Magic to jump up even one spot, right? Because you're only a game behind the Pacers, and the Pacers, on Thursday, the Pacers end up are playing the 76ers. So... The Pacers play the Sixers, and then guess what? The Pacers play the Suns on Friday. Just beat Memphis, and at that rate, you'd be ahead of the Pacers because if they lose on Wednesday or uh, yeah, on oh no, t- tonight Thursday, you're half game. You beat Memphis, they lose to the Suns. You're up. You're you're handily in seventh, and then you know the the Heat even play the Heat play the the Celtics. On Friday, I believe, or Thursday. So there's always ground to make up. There's still not maybe you know as much margin right now, or like difference between rankings as there will be toward the end of the season. You might see two, two and a half game leads that people have that teams have. But where you're at right now, just beat Memphis on Friday, and then see where everything goes in heading into Sunday. But I'm hopeful that the Magic will at least have moved up a spot by that point. We talked to Jeff Turner about this, and although the Magic haven't been playing as well recently with all the injuries, if you would have gone back to preseason and said, hey, on January 25th, you're 23 and 21, you're sitting there at eight, you're a game back of seven and a game and a half back of six, we're right where we would have wanted to be at that point, Luke. Had you told October, early October, Jonathan and Luke, Hey, you guys are going to be two games above 500 towards the end of January, and you're going to be squarely in the playoff picture. We we would have been thanking the heavens. We would absolutely would have, would have been okay with that. And I think it's important for us to just take a, a step back. Like, there's there's plenty wrong with this team still. Like, we we've been talking about that. I don't want to turn this into a another super negative podcast because it feels like we've had a couple of those in a row. But if we just take back, you know, step back 
and breathe a little bit and just look at the big picture, like we are, we're doing a okay. We're we're right where this team probably should be. The nine game winning streak got us a little bit, you know, prematurely excited a bit, and now we're we're sort of coming back to the mean, sort of coming back down to earth, and, and the Magic are, are really in a good spot. I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, this team isn't perfect by any means, but no team that's on pace to win 42, 43 games is perfect. But you know what they usually are? A postseason team. And that's what we can handle, right? Like if you tell me this team ends with 42, 43 wins, either they take care of business in the play-in or they are you know, sitting at the sixth spot, I think it's going to take more like 44 wins, 45 wins, probably even to get to six or five. But regardless, beginning of the season, like you said, you take that scenario. If you told us the Magic have a great possibility to be the seventh seed host, the play-in game, and essentially for them at that point, it's double elimination for them to even get knocked out of the playoff picture, you take it, right? And you would host two games in that instance. Exactly. And during our conversation with JT, when we're going through all of that, the scenarios, and he's saying, you know, this team, you know, you're trying to stay out of the plan. And I caught myself because in that moment, I was like, man, I really don't want to do a play in game. But then I thought back to you and I talking about it before the season where you and I were genuinely hyped up thinking about the magic hosting even one play in tournament game. We would have killed to be in that position. So like you said, just kind of stepping back, looking at the full picture. And yeah, you, you take that scenario 10 times out of 10 going into the season the Magic have a great, great chance to be in the play-in. I mean, you named it, right? Like the groupings, it still feels like we've got a, obviously we've got decent separation from the eighth spot, the ninth spot, the 10th spot, right? So still trying to, or the ninth spot, the 10th spot, I should say. So I, yeah, I, it's it's easy to get wrapped up in the in the current, but right now, if you just, right now is a good time. You got a few days where the Magic aren't playing, Think about what you thought before the season started. Think about what the possibilities still are today. And that nine-game win streak maybe put expectations a little too high for some people, but it's going to contribute heavily to the win total at the end of the season. That's what matters. I think the the question that I have now is we've been talking in the last couple of pods about the Magic making a move and, and, and should they make a move and what if they should, what should that move be? I'm sort of at the point where uh, I don't know the negativity starting to creep back up in me as I, as I try to announce these these positive thoughts like if the magic just stay pat and they move forward with the team that they have if this team is relatively healthy <laughs> that should be good enough to still get you as high as 5 or 6 but it's like do you trust this team to be relatively healthy and that's where the the pessimism is 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 creeping back like it wants to come out right now. I'm going to say this as, as positively as I can. I'm going to look into the camera and smile. I don't trust this team to stay fully healthy, but <laughs> right now everything's okay. Everything is okay right now. Like we're 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 in a good spot. But let, well, let's just see. We got 2 weeks from today until the trade deadline and all we can do is sit back and watch. We tweeted this out this or earlier this week because Indiana went out and got Pascal Siakam. New York went out and got OG Ananobi. Miami went out and got Terry Rozier. 
and they're swapping his minutes for Kyle Lowry, who's absolutely garbage. So, you know, it's it's addition by subtraction, plus you're getting a, a really, really good player in Terry Rozier, who's been great this year. Miami's gotten better. Indiana's gotten better. New York's gotten better. Those are the three teams immediately above us in the standings. And what the Magic do the next couple of weeks is going to tell us how much they value playoff basketball this season. Not postseason basketball, playoff basketball. Not the play-in, but the actual game where you, actual series where you get at least four games. How much does this team value that for this group this year? And this group, I'm talking about guys like Paolo and Franz and Jalen Suggs. Not necessarily Joe Ingles, Gary Harris, Markel Fultz, guys that may not be around in the the not too distant future here. But for those guys, how important is it that we see those guys in the playoffs this year? Front office is going to tell us everything that they think about that over the course of the next two weeks here. I think that's also the the, the frame of mind that's tough because you you thought you talk about the strides this team has made and the nine game win streak setting you up for maybe bigger expectations than necessary or you should have. But when it comes to the moves, it's like you stay relatively healthy. You can probably snag that the eighth spot at, at the worst it feels like. And I just, it's so hard because you want to say, yeah, go get a guy at the deadline, get, make this team improve, take care of the shooting issue, maybe a little bit, or the turnover problem a little bit. But at the same time, you you still have to step back and say, this front office still very, very well could just prioritize growing what they've got, riding into free agency, and seeing what you can do from there. Now, there's arguments to be made. Who can the Magic this offseason really pick up in free agency? That'll be a great pickup for this team. I'm hoping that they can pick up some people by overpaying because Orlando hasn't been a free agency destination in a long time. So there's a lot to think about, but I'm, I'm hopeful that you do just a minor thing to either address, like I said, the shooting problem or the turnover problem at this deadline. Just show me something, show me something that says, we aren't just set on developing because our guys are young, our stars are young. I just want them to experience even more winning and setting them up. And the the sooner that they can grow in an optimal environment, being Paolo and Franz, the more reps they're getting in that environment, the better they're getting quicker. So I, I think it is important that you make a move. I don't know that I'm of the mindset. Maybe the front office is still of right now, which is like, no, we're not. We're going to sit on our hands and you know, continue with the master plan this off season and beyond. Well, the, the other sort of side to the coin is if you do just sit on your hand and say, Hey, we're, we're good with the team that we have. We're just going to hope that we stay relatively healthy. You said that, Hey, if this team does stay relatively healthy, that eight feels like the floor. If you go through this deadline with the team that you have now, to me, that's this front office saying we'll be good at nine or 10. Like it, it, as long as we make the play in, which you know, like ten probably feels like the absolute floor for this team. When you look at the standings, like Toronto is sitting there; they're seven games back of us right now. They're two and a half games out of the play in. Atlanta sitting there at ten. 
Brooklyn is sitting a, a game back of the play-in. So that sort of feels like the floor, like the, the play-in at this point feels like the floor for this team. And without making a move to me, the front office is saying, if we end up 9 or 10, so be it. We're good with that. We're not going to force any moves here. And you know everybody's going to have different opinions on if that is the right approach or not. I just wanted to take, again, we're trying to stay positive here, but I just want to take like two minutes and list maybe 30 to 40 free agents that are coming up in, in this coming season. And this is all in order of how much money they're making this year. So there's a, f- a few guys, you know, like the top like 10 or 12, I would say the Magic probably are not going to be pursuing here. LeBron, Paul George, Clay Thompson, Tobias Harris, James Harden, Pascal Siakam, Drew Holiday, Gordon Hayward, Kyle Lowry. I would literally rather die and eat a pile of crap than sign Kyle Lowry. DeMar DeRozan, now we're getting into the more potential, like realistic. Buddy Heald. Mike Conley, I don't think Mike Conley, I think he's going to be you know, aging a, a bit out of our timeline if he hasn't already. Uh, Bruce Brown and Lonzo Ball, both of those guys have team options, so we'll, we'll sort of see what happens there. Joe Harris, Evan Fournier, it is a team option, so he'll probably be a free agent. Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, OG Ananobi has a player option he'll probably opt into. D'Angelo Russell, Gary Trent Jr., Markel Fultz, Marcus Morris Sr., Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Uh, has a player option, Jonas Valanciunas, Malik Beasley, Tyus Jones, Luke Kennard as a team option, Doug McDermott, Gary Harris, Kelly Olynyk, Robert Covington, Rashawn Holmes has a, a player option, Nicholas Batum, PJ Tucker has a player option, Joe Ingles has the team option, Taylor Horton Tucker, Alec Burtz, James Wiseman's going to be a restricted free agent, Malik Monk, Grayson Allen, Monte Morris, Victor Oladipo, Royce O'Neal, Kyle Anderson. See where we're getting here? Like you, you see, like what what level we're getting to. There's a few other like somewhat exciting names, uh, like Nicholas Claxton, who I would love, Isaiah Hartenstein. Like if you go down the list, there are some guys to get excited about. But I just don't think this team is going to go on a spending spree in free agency to really meaningfully improve this team this summer. I just don't really see a path to that right now. I would not mind a Gary Trent Jr. option. The issue, and just so you guys know, he's he's shooting five and a half threes a game at 42%. I would take Gary Trent Jr. in that respect. But the issue right now is that a lot of these guys, it's hard to know which one of them are going to like good shooters that can contribute and also determined by their age which of these guys are going to really want to go to a team that's just kind of getting started versus a team that can win a championship the season that they sign. And I think that unfortunately that's, that's kind of the the trend is that anybody that's valuable, whether it's a shooter, like every you've seen it. The Lakers are in on every rumor for every player that can contribute just a little bit. <laughs> so stupid. And, and players will do it because they have LeBron and Anthony Davis and hopeful that, they can make a run at a ring or whoever else, right? Whether it's the Bucks or the Sixers or the Celtics. Like we we see it all the time. So that's my other thing with free agency. It's such a crapshoot. And you really do have to overpay if you're a young team that's up and coming to get some of these guys. It's you know, you just gotta hope that they're all like Joe Ingles 
and they're making decisions for their family at that point and what they want to do towards the end of retirement if you're going to acquire a vet shooter or just leader in general. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, let's bring this back in here. Going back to the state of the magic, looking at the injury report. Gary Harris has now missed the past 10 games with a calf strain. No update recently on his status, so it probably still might be a, a little while or a couple of weeks here. He did like very little contact today is what Mosley said. I missed that. Fantastic. Very little contact. I still don't feel super optimistic no. about that. Probably no. still you know, at least a, a week or a couple of weeks away for Gary Harris. Markel Fultz and J.I. Uh, both missed the last game due to injury management. Didn't re-aggravate anything. Didn't pick up anything new. Just trying to, as they come back from the injuries and the time that they've been out, team is being really cautious, and those guys probably are not going to be playing back-to-backs for a while. And then uh, Jason Beatty of the Orlando Sentinel, uh, he, Sentinel, I don't know why I said it like that, he announced today, um, or, or was passing along from uh, Matt Merchell, over with the Orlando Sentinel as well, um, that the Orange County Commission approved $600 million in tourist development tax money for upgrades to Camping World Stadium and the Kia Center, uh, the newly renamed Kia Center. This is from Matt Merchell's article, where the NBA's Orlando Magic play their home games, won a pledge of $226 million to update and improve the facility funded by the six cent of the tourist development tax or TDT. So of that $600 million, Luke, uh, the Magic are uh, receiving $226 million uh, to update and improve Kia Center. Luke, with that $226 million, what is like one thing you would like to see updated or improved at Amway? For me, it would be a clear bottom infinity pool over the court so you could swim in the pool and look <laughs> down and watch the game during games. That would be my first choice. I think that would be sick. Probably a safety hazard. Probably not going to happen, but it would be wicked. That would be, <laughs> wow. I was going to go like realistic things. Uh, well, I mean, first you got to look at the video board, right? Like that would be a lot of fun to just have an upgrade there in some capacity. I don't know that you go as, as big as the Intuit Dome uh, there in LA. No. Did you, no. you saw that? that just That's so stupid. Crazy to me. I, I, yeah. The, 
I do think of the Intuit Dome, and I, I think it's a dome, right? That's what they're calling it. I'm pretty Maybe. sure it's a dome. No, I, I think idea. it's the Intuit. Anyway, we'll just call it the Intuit. One of the things that they do that what they're doing is like with their seats, they every seat has a charger on it, like a phone charger, which is pretty crazy. Um, and then they also have like thousands of of bathrooms, like toilets, I should say. And he, he Balmer said. I don't want anybody to stand in line. I want you to go to the bathroom. He's like, I, that's my biggest pet peeve at arenas is when they have lines out of the restroom and people are getting back to their chairs late in the third quarter. You see them trickling in, whatever it might be, right? He said that we've invested in, in making sure we have enough units or toilets or urinals or whatever that it just won't be an issue. Lines won't be a problem. That would be interesting. I don't know what that takes. I don't think like, we have the room at Kia for that. Yeah, you might have, but we'll see. I'm interested to see what they do, but um, I I would guess for sure a video board, some type of upgrade. And it's interesting because we've gotten to this point when Amway, when it was Amway, RIP, the Amway Center, when it opened, it was like one of the most advanced arenas in the league and still is not a bad arena by any means. So to hear that they're doing these upgrades is kind of wild to me, honestly. But... Yeah, I don't. I don't know what else. What I'm sure there's a ton you can do. I'm sure that they are salivating over that much money to be able to find out what they're gonna do. But I assume maybe two big upgrades, two or three big upgrades, and then your money's probably gone. But who knows? I if we were worried about like the time that people are spending in between quarters and halftime and like not getting back to your seats, for me it would be a way to improve like the queue for like the concession stands. Mm-hmm. The bathrooms in recent years haven't seemed to be too bad, especially the guys. Like, let's be real. Uh, yeah. The ladies, they just take longer in the bathroom. Like, they, we don't have to get into the particulars about that. But guys go in the bathroom and take care of our business. And we're half the dudes, unfortunately, aren't even washing their hands, which is a big, <laughs> which is a major problem. I don't know if you all are aware, but we just went through a worldwide health crisis. We got folks out here in 2024 peeing not washing their hands still so y'all are disgusting for that but that probably has something to do with guys taking less time in the bathroom because half of them just aren't washing their hands for whatever reason but i I would much rather cut down on like concession times because sometimes i'm like i just want to drink i want to get some food but i'm like i don't want to wait 25 minutes and miss half of the third quarter to get a a hot dog or you know whatever it is but it'll be interesting to see uh, where those uh, improvements will be now, Luke, for the part of the, the pod that you and I are, are probably least looking forward to, let's go to this game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, which from the jump, it seemed like the Magic didn't have a chance to win this game for whatever reason. You're down 19, Luke, after one. After the first quarter, just getting obliterated. You're down 25. You're down 72 to 47 at the half. And then come the third quarter here, you're outscored again, 35 to 27. So you're down 30, almost 40 points for basically the entirety of the fourth quarter. And it really came on the back of the three-point shooting of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sam Merrill in particular, he comes in off the bench, shoots eight of 13 from the floor, 
8 of 13 from behind the arc for 26 points for Sam Merrill. And the Magic just could not get... like It wasn't a, an atrocious offensive game for the Magic. You shoot 45% from the floor, almost 38% from the three-point line. Now you do miss 10 free throws, which again, has been a problem for months now for this team. But allowing Cleveland to shoot 56% from the floor and 20 for 38 good for 52% from behind the arc. Genuinely one of the worst defensive performances of the season. But the Cavs, who I believe shoot about 34-35% on the season, shot 18% better this game while almost shooting 43s against the Magic Luke. You just unfortunately didn't have a chance in this one. This is maybe this. I think this is the second game because I believe we had one recently. My memory is awful, and I watch these games. I promise, guys, but I don't remember a, a, a lot about the specifics of who we played. Anyway, there was a game recently that we played where it just looked like like we didn't care what the other team did. It was just kind of like we're just clocking in, clocking out. It was the only time, and I think you had said it on the episode. You're like, it's the only time this year that I felt this way, where it just didn't really feel like the effort was there. That was the case with this Cleveland Cavaliers game. It's like they just got so defeated by guys like Sam Merrill coming in and knocking down threes that you just decided you weren't going to rotate and you weren't going to help. You weren't going to close out. And those type of things that happen where it just continues to pile up and you make the decision to not rotate, not do what you're supposed to do defensively, leaving guys like Sam Merrill in the corner wide open. Right. And just to reiterate, eight threes made for him, eight of 13. Ridiculous. Dean Wade, three of three. Strews, two of four. But Sam Merrill was the reason that they were shooting so well from three in general. And it just comes a point where it's like, well, if you're not going to, if you're so defeated, you're not going to get out on these shooters, then you're not going to set yourself up for a comeback because clearly you just like don't really care. You're apathetic. I get it. It's an 82-game season. You're like, oh, there's no way this dude's killing us tonight. We're just going to kind of stop. Because, it, like you said, the shooting percentages weren't bad. Like, you shot 46% from the field, 38% from three, when normally you're like a 34% three-point shooting team. You shot about your average threes a game. You shot 29. You got killed in the paint. Not really killed, but you perform poorly in the paint. They outscored by six. The Magic in this one get down by as much as 36. And about a minute into the fourth quarter, I did something I don't believe I've done this year. I looked at the TV. I said, they made the Cavs made another three. They just weren't missing. There was no sign of a comeback. And I was like, I'm checking out. I'm turning the TV off for my sanity. These guys don't care. I shouldn't either. Nothing's going to happen these last 10 minutes anyway. I'm going to go watch Netflix with, with Lauren. It was a great decision, by the way. And I am telling Magic fans listening to this, it is okay. If you were at, at home watching TV, and Jonathan won't probably agree. Maybe you will. Maybe no. you won't. Nope. I don't agree, but to each their own. Your team is down by 36. I don't care if you go and eat yourself a good dessert, turn off the TV, leave it on as background noise, go in another room, fold some laundry, 
take a load off. Folding laundry. Wait, let's not get crazy here. It's, let's not hey, get crazy. It, that that game would ha- had you just being okay. Folding with Folding laundry other would have been would it would have been a better use of your time for sure. Yeah. So I'm telling you guys, Jonathan and I doesn't share the same belief, and that's fine. My belief is that you are more than able to do that. You you can do that. I promise. Take a load off. Enjoy the rest of your night. Don't let this team get you down any more than they already did. And then we regroup on Friday. It's a beautiful thing. There's a, a big part of me that is just a masochist. And I've seen just so many awful performances over the years that it it does it, it does it's not that it doesn't phase me, but it's like, oh, I need to bring the calluses back out tonight. Like you, you think this is bad, you have no idea what I've seen in my day. And I just sit there and I, I suffer through it. And then I watch all the post game stuff like an idiot to see like, oh, let's see if they're going to you know say anything profound tonight. And uh, unfortunately, not really. It's a whole it's another. Hey, we got to give them credit for knocking down shots, which, hey, give them credit for knocking down shots. But like whoever was was who, who, whoever's assignment was Sam Merrill didn't have a chance because all of our guys are getting beat at the point of attack by Donovan Mitchell. And then the big is coming over to help. And then whoever's supposed to be on Sam Merrill is dropping down to try to help the big. And then Sam Merrill is just wide open again and again and again. So that's, a, that's been a big issue recently. It's just like point of attack defense. Obviously there was no Markel Fultz in this game, but you got Jalen Suggs, you got Anthony Black. And those guys weren't up to par in this one. Like, uh, like I said, especially the perimeter, the point of attack, that's where it all starts. If you can't stop other teams' guards from getting penetration, you're leaving your, your bigs and you're leaving your help men in, in really bad situations. And you're daring guys like Sam Merrill hit threes. And I think I saw a stat earlier this week that like the, the, the Cavs like don't have like a single guy on their roster shooting 40% from three this year. And they're one of the worst teams in the league in three-point percentage this year. And maybe like the Magic, the game plan for the Cavs is like, hey, let's make them take threes. And they took 38 of them and hit 20. And if that's what you're going to give a team and they're just going to keep knocking them down, we saw this in the last couple of weeks with the Magic, you know, giving Sacramento a run for their money, beating Denver because we were knocking down threes. And the game plan was, hey, if they're going to beat us with threes, then so be it. And that's what we did with Cleveland. And it feels like the last four or five times we've played Cleveland, it's been, okay, let's make them knock down threes. And they just continue to find guys to knock down threes. So didn't love the effort defensively from the Magic. um, Mm -hmm. But it it seems like part of that was the game plan. Like, hey, if we're getting beat off the dribble, we're going to give up the corner three. And it was open all night. Shockingly. Sam Merrill is the best three-point shooter on the Cleveland Cavaliers. He actually does shoot over 40. He shoots 43 on six attempts a game. Well, I'm sure eight for 13 certainly helped that. Helped his percentage. And Dean Wade shoots a flat 40, which in that game also helped because in that game he uh, shot three of three. So that helped a little bit there. And uh, yeah, Isaiah Mobley, he shoots 50%, but he takes less than one a game. He's only played three games, so that doesn't really matter. Um it was just one of those nights, one of those nights where they they the magic took the night off after seeing that it just wasn't going to go their way and is what it is. I said after the game that 
I, I sort of feel like we should be past this point where it still feels like any any team in the league is going to have a, a couple of these games a year, maybe even a handful of these games a year. For the Magic, it just feels like recently we've been having one of these games like every couple of weeks. Like it, it, it sort of felt that way uh, even against Philadelphia, right? Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, those guys were going crazy. It just like you never you never felt like you were going to win that game. Going back to the the Minnesota game where you lose, you know, one thirteen to ninety two, you just get absolutely crushed, right? Didn't feel like you had a chance in that one. We go back to both of the Boston games, right? Where from the jump it just feels hopeless. A couple of weeks before that, the loss in Brooklyn, one twenty nine to one hundred one, where you just get crushed. That is sandwiched by the nine game win streak, and at the beginning of that, well, the game before that win streak started. You had the Brooklyn game where you lose 124 to 104. So, like, we've already had a handful of these games this year where another team gets hot from behind the arc and you just feel like you don't have a chance. And to your point, Luke, watching the fourth quarter just feels like a formality. Like, you're just, okay, we have 12 minutes until this game is over, probably going to be about 20 to 22 minutes. And I'm like, hey, at what point can we implement a freaking running clock here? Like why is the ball, why is the clock stopping when when the, when the ball goes out of bounds? I don't care if that's a middle school rule, a high school rule. You're down thirty plus in the fourth quarter. It's GG. You mm-hmm. have at that point forfeited your right to mount any type of comeback. If you've been getting your butt kicked that badly for thirty six minutes, guess what? You got another game coming in a couple of nights. People at home want to get to bed. People in the building want to leave. <laughs> Plenty of people left with like five, six minutes to go in this game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just not a fun game to watch. And it, a lot of people, the, the Markel Fultz truthers were coming out of the woodwork. Oh, Markel Fultz really would have made a difference in this game. Potentially, but I don't think so. Not that much. Of, not that. Not this much of a difference. You're just getting blasted left and right. Markel Fultz isn't going to get these guys jazzed up to go close out on Sam Merrill for the 10th time in the game. That's just not happening. And, you know, part of it was this was, you know, the the second night of a back-to-back when you had the the big win over Miami. So maybe you were, you know, going to have a letdown, I guess. So that's that's the other part to it. You can't totally just throw that out of the window because it definitely is a factor. Magic, the last couple of seasons, haven't performed particularly well in the second night of back-to-backs. But... I mean, when we when we'll, we continue to look at this schedule, you're two games over 500 now, and you've got the Memphis game, the Phoenix game, the Dallas game, San Antonio. Go two and two here. You're 25 and 23. You've made it through January. You you survived the gauntlet, and then we move on to you know easier parts of the schedule, and you hopefully are able to start racking up some wins here. I don't think we need to go into too much further detail about this mm-hmm. Cleveland game. I think we've both vented appropriately and and got our feelings out let's talk a little bit about patreon and then uh, we'll talk some chicken before we get into our conversation with jeff turner so talked a little bit about patreon at the beginning of the episode here um if you're a fan of 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 what we do whether it's the the video content the podcast the six fan show you know the the amount of of tweets that we put out and, and and live updates during games or the events that we do none of that would be possible without the support of our, our patrons. You all really help us do everything that we do. Our wives would not let us do 
what we do if it were not for our patrons um, and, and helping us pay for all those things that we're able to do here. So if you want to join our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Whenever we have brand new patrons, we make sure to give them a very special thank you and a special shout out. And then we give our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons a very special shout out. And don't forget, Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons tonight. If you're listening to this on Thursday, January 25th, tonight at 8 o'clock for our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons is going to be that monthly Zoom where we'll sit down, hang out, and talk about the Orlando Magic season to this point. And we give them a special shout out on each and every episode. So we'll go ahead and start with Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Normal Magic Player History. Gabe Gaines Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Donkey Punch Dave, Paolo and Francis Warren, Pierre A. Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Danimo, Dodo 15, Bobby Skinner, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Phil Fulton, Emin Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Ty Mr. TV, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95, Shred Jr., Bruce Halfrican, Shahin 177, Bobby the Don, Himlo Ben Himro, RM Prof 221, Magic Kid 714, Mysterious Mosley, Soft Taco, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Only Franz, Maria, Keith Walsh, Fritz Currency, Kev, Bruv Sal, Kaysen Green, Santi Leon, Kane Eckler, The Distract, Ahmad Timsa, Chantu, Tom Gadsden, Dead Air, Richard Tuttle, Jeremiah Cantero, Barstool Magic, Adebo, 1980. A big thank you to all of our patrons. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Luke, talk about some chicken. Jam hot chicken. Some of you guys, most of you guys have heard us talk about this, but if you haven't, Jam Hot Chicken is a Nashville and LA-inspired hot chicken shack locally owned and operated in Winter Park, Florida, more specifically 400 West New England Avenue, Suite 13, and Hannibal Square. You can find them on Jam at Jam Hot Chicken on all their social media. They've got one of the best marketing and just like looks of most social media pages that I've ever seen. When it comes to a restaurant, you know, trying to advertise themselves and do their thing, they've got a big following there and it's super uh, impressive and just really indicative of the success that they've had, you know, further beyond even that. So go check them out. All their chicken is hormone and antibiotic free, made fresh and fried in 100% peanut oil. You can also check them out. Order online as well ahead at jamhotchickenfl.com. Let them know that we sent you. Go check them out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And now, the reason you listened and tapped into this podcast, the moment you have all been waiting for, let's get to our conversation, our quarterly midway through the season check-in with Jeff Turner. 
All right, Orlando Magic fans, we are now joined by a very special guest. We seem to be, you know, making a, a habit of this, a sort of like a quarterly check-in uh, with color guy, Orlando Magic legend, Jeff Turner. Jeff, how are you doing, sir? How have you been? I am good. I'm, uh, you know, the season's been pretty road heavy. Uh, um, so um, I feel like if I can get through this, uh, the month of uh, January, then, uh February, the All-Star breaks right around the corner and then hopefully start seeing you guys at the Kia Center instead of on Zoom. <laughs> Absolutely. It, this season, Jeff, for us, is feeling like it's been flying by. Now, you all have been on the road so much. You're getting ready to go on the road yet again here at, you know, at the end of the week. But this season, has it flown by for you all or has it been dragging because of the travel? Well, I don't know. I, I feel like, I mean, you know, you, you look and you're, you know, you're surprised you're through 40, uh, you know, 40 plus games. But, you know, for me, the I, I just don't remember a season where, you know, we started off, you know, right in October, we're on a West Coast trip. And, uh, you know, it just seems like it's not really let up. So, um, you know, we started this year, you know, in January, uh, New Year's, we're on the road. Um, and so this has been a, this has been a tough month. Um, and so, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of proud of this team is they've been able to keep their head above water here, um, you know, not give back, uh, you know, all the the margin that we had built up early. Um, so that's that's been a good thing. But it's it's been tough. It's tough for us old broadcasters. <laughs> Dante's think... doing fine, by the way. Dante doesn't have any trouble. <laughs> it's just, you know, like, I, you know, I was the young guy when David Steele was my partner. Now I'm the old man on the airplane, so. <laughs> Jeff, do you, uh, is there a point in the season, uh, maybe it's in every season you can pinpoint it, is there a time where you're like, man, I, uh, I, could, I could really use a nap or, or 12? Is there uh, a point in the season where, like, I'm ready for all-star break, is it, you know, different because it is so road heavy? When when did you kind of reach that point where you're like, man, all-star break can, can come whenever it wants? Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, that I feel like that's always been the case. I think the all-star break um, has always been a nice, you know, exactly what it said. It's a break. Um, you know, I was one of those very fortunate guys that never got picked to play in an all-star game. So mine was just a vacation, which was kind of nice. Um, to the first part of your question, I'm always looking for a nap, I find, you know, especially when I'm on the road. So, um, yeah, you look for little spots like, you know, it's really been nice, um, you know, that, uh, you know, we've had a little two days off, but, you know, between Cleveland and Memphis, um, as we're recording this. So, um, those little breaks, just, you know, just anything where you're not, um, you know, it's it, but it's like the way the NBA is. You know, you, you win or lose a game, it doesn't matter. You got another one the next night or in two nights. Um, it's just kind of nice to just take a break and step back and, um, you know, do something else besides sit down and, you know, dig into the numbers about your next opponent. Jeff, when we left you last, the Magic had finished uh, 22 games. They were 15 and seven, um, not too far removed from the nine game win streak there. Since then, the Magic have had a, a you know a slew of injuries and, and different illnesses, and have gone eight and fourteen to that point. Now, when the schedule came out in August, myself, <laughs> Luke, Kevin, we all looked at this January. Well, really, like 
the second week of December through the month of December through the entire month of January. We're just now almost to that point. The Magic sit 23 and 21, a couple of games above 500. What do you think have, have other than the injuries, um, which is a big part of it, but what do you think has been the biggest um, setback, I guess, for the Magic during this time? And, and what are we looking to see out of them as they turn the corner and we turn the page to February in a couple weeks here? Yeah, obviously, you know, obviously the injuries are a big part. I mean, you know, I think we talked about this last time, the, you know, what the biggest factor, I think, in the early success, and you see it with a lot of teams, um, is has been the health, right? Like, you know, we, for, I'll give you a great example. You, you look at that um, Oklahoma City team, right? Like, we, you know, we played them a few weeks ago. Just they just don't miss games. So, you know, their core guys um, have not missed more than two, three games. Um, and that's a big part of it. Now they're very talented, but they're all on the floor, which really helps. So I think that's been the big part of it. Um, certainly I think the, the challenge of our schedule, uh, someone uh, told me, I, you know, I don't really kind of follow this stuff, but I guess, uh, after the all-star break, we have one of the, what is considered one of the easiest schedules remaining schedule, uh, I guess that's depending on what the records of the teams we're going to play. Maybe it's from February on. I'm not sure. Um, but it does say the type of teams we've been playing. We've been playing a lot of, you know, plus 500 playoff type teams. Um, I think that's a big deal. And the other part of it is when you start, you know, 15 and eight, whatever it was, 16 to seven, I think we were at one point and everything, and you're sitting atop the conference you're not sneaking up on anybody anymore, right? Like your, um, you know, teams are not looking at you as like, oh, it's the Orlando Magic. You know, we can arrest a couple of guys or you know do things like that. Um, so you're getting everybody's best, not their best shot. Maybe like, I don't know, we're not the Boston Celtics, but um, you know, you're, you're not getting teams looking at you like, oh, this is a cakewalk. Um, I think coaches are prepared for what, you know, what uh, Jamal Mosley and his staff are going to bring, you know, got the guys bringing every night, which is great hustle and intensity and strong defense. So, um, I, you know, I think that's all been a big part of it. The injuries to me, though, um, probably the biggest thing, because really the injuries changed the way we played um, just because of the talent, you know, that we were putting on the floor was a little different, right? It's, you know, we became more of a three-point shooting team because, you know, that's what Caleb Houston, that's what Chumo KK, uh, and those guys, that's what they bring. Uh, so if they're going to be on the floor, um, you know, that's what that's how they're going to play. So um, it was good in certain, you know, certain games and not so good in others. The, you know, when you talk about the strength of schedule, the remaining one, Jeff, the, the site that really lays it out and where people are getting a lot of that data from is tankathon.com. Yeah. And they they say that, yes, that the Magic, the opponents for the rest of the season have essentially like a 44.5% win percentage if you do it that way, right? So the remaining games, and this is also for the listeners, the remaining games the Magic have is you've got three against the uh, the Pistons, one against the Wizards, two against the Spurs, three against the Hornets, one against the Blazers. So those are kind of the, the big picture there of what you've got right. left. I'm curious, as a player – are like Jonathan, myself and Kevin, like you said, we sat down in August. 
we mapped it out. We said we, we figured out a couple things, right? What are the what are the stretches that, that we need to look forward to, the ones that we need to get through? Also, what road game are we going to go to as a, as a group? Um, <laughs> so it's the important things. But as a player, do, do players or did you sit down and look at the schedule before season started and kind of pinpoint things? Or was it kind of just, oh, I guess this is, you know, who we've got this month or however it might be? Even when I was a player, did I look mm-hmm. at it? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you always do. You want to look at, um, you know, the, the stretches, um, kind of as, as the season goes on. The first thing, you know, like you always do, um, you know, I played my entire career on the East Coast. So you want to know where, what, when are you going West, right? Um, they actually break those up a little bit more um, than they used to. It, it, it used to be, you know, you'd hit half the teams on one trip and, you know, uh, another half or another third, and then you would do the Texas swing. You would hit all the Texas, the three Texas teams in one. Um, and so, you know, you, if you did that, you can imagine you're, you're going to be away from home quite a bit. So you're always kind of looking at that. Um, you're always counting up the back-to-backs. How many back-to-backs are there, right? And, you know, there used to be a lot of those. Um, so, you know, that's, um, that's a big... Now, as a broadcaster, I, I do the same thing. I want to know... Um, you know, the same thing is like, what's my travel schedule going to look like? You know, how do I plan around, you know, whether it be birthdays or Christmas or whatever that is, but I'm more tuned in. I think now guys is for, you know, like, like you are, you know, looking at the team itself, what are the tough stretches? um, Things like that. I think as a player, you're not thinking of it as, as much as a oh you know well we've got you know the you know five you know top eight teams on this trip or whatever um you're you're more looking as a game-to-game type situation so um i think i probably look at it now more like you guys were jeff going back you were talking about the the recent stretch where the magic just lost so many bodies and really had to change the way that they played and essentially became a three-point shooting team. I want to go back to that Sacramento game, uh, you know, that road trip, because that's really where it happened. You know, Chuma yeah. Okeke has that crazy run to start the fourth quarter in that game. The Magic are sort of getting themselves back into that game. You and Dante are, are laughing almost in disbelief because you couldn't really... <laughs> yeah. I, I think at least the, the sentiment was we all shared it. We could not believe this team kept knocking down shots, kept answering every run that Sacramento had. And Chuma Okeke was just having the the quarter of his career, and then late in that fourth quarter, you know the clock is winding down, and Paolo Bancaro hits the the three there, and you let out one of the the loudest capayas, <laughs> I think, uh, of your career. So can you just go back and talk about Paolo Bancaro's sort of stretch that started with that Sacramento game, yeah. and just how much fun that game was in Sacramento. I, it was a blast, you know, going into that game, you know, we, we, we've got a healthy Franz Wagner, you know, going into the game and, um, you know, we're playing a certain way, right? Like, you know, it's in Golden State and Phoenix on that trip. Um, you know, we had played where our, our, the way magic basketball plays out is we attack the paint. We got Franz and Paolo getting into the paint. As you guys well know, during that, you know, up until that point, we were last in the league in three-point field goal percentage. I think going into that game, last in three-point field goal percentage, last in, you know, takes. I mean, we just weren't taking a lot. 
Um, I think there was a stretch there where if we took more than 35, I think we were 0-9 uh, or something like that. Um, and it would last in makes, right? And and what to me, the funny part is the other team knows that, right? Like they know, and so they game plan for it. And so, and what's really funny is even the broadcasters on the other side, they've done enough homework. Um, and so, you know, the, the way Seattle is set up, uh, or Seattle, excuse me, Sacramento, the way Sacramento is set up is we're on the second row. We're on the court, we're on the second row. And so it's Dante and then me to his left. And then we have, we call a stage manager sitting next to me and then directly the next person is Katie Christensen, who is the color commentator for Sacramento. And so we know talking to her is like, well, you know, and listening to Mike Brown, get prepared for the game, his comments, he's like, well, we got to, you know, we got to lock down the paint. We got to keep them out of the paint. <laughs> we got to, you know, force them to play on the perimeter. And there, so everybody knows it. And so all of a sudden, you know, we're keeping close. And then here comes this barrage of three-pointers. And Sacramento's doing everything right. They they are not letting us get to the basket. And we're just kicking it out. And then Chuma goes on that run. And Dante and I are just like, I, I think I... I think I said several times, what is happening here? Because it was so unbelievable. And then I looked to my left and, and Katie's just, she's looking at me like, what, what is, what is this? You know, like this, is, you didn't say this. You said the team struggles to shoot the basketball. You're a paint team. And so she was getting frustrated with what was happening because it was happening. So that, that kind of built the energy a little bit for me and Dante um, because it was so incredible. And then, you know, the frustration with the Sacramento people, um, you know, they, they thought they, cause they were rolling along pretty good. Paolo's, you know, Paolo even went to the locker room. Remember that Paolo rolled his ankle after Franz went to the locker room. So we were pretty down at that point. And then here comes Paolo back and, and, and you described the rest. It was, uh, it was pretty incredible, but, that kicked off. Then we go to Denver and, you know, same thing. We knocked down 17 threes, you know, and you could tell Mike Malone was frustrated, right? Because again, Denver was taking the paint away. I mean, we went from a second in the league in points in the paint, almost 56 a game to, we went on a stretch there. We were lucky if we broke 30, it felt like, um, and it, you know, but again, you know, we're just playing to our personnel. Paolo's usage was up a lot. He was taking more threes, obviously, because, uh, you know, the teams were just throwing him different looks. But we were relying on Caleb. We were relying on uh, uh, on Chuma. And then, my goodness, how about Jalen Suggs? He was going crazy as well. So um, it, was, it was all good until it wasn't, right? And then... You know, that's the great thing about the uh, the three-point line is, like, it just changes. You you can make up the difference of not getting into the paint, you know, with the long ball if you're making them. Um, but then we went through a stretch where, you know, teams – we played some teams that were getting out and doing both, you know, could defend both. Minnesota, 
Um, and it just, it wasn't working as well. So um, being healthy, I think that, that the big thing that we learned from it is there has to be a balance, right? I think there's a, there's a balance. And you look at the really good teams and they, they just have a nice balance of their paint points. You know, maybe it's 45 to, you know, 52, somewhere in there. But then their three-point uh, makes are somewhere 12 to 15, somewhere in there. Um, you know, so if, that's the key for us, right, is to find that balance um, and continue to rely on our defense to, you know, in the meantime, to help us generate points. Specifically after the Sacramento game where we see Paolo obviously erupt and put the team on his back for the 43 points, Jonathan and I sat down, recorded an episode, I believe it was that night, and I had said something to the effect of Franz being out could do a lot for Paolo's game right now, that he is going to learn what it's like to solely be the guy. There's no 1A, 1B anymore. It's just one. Right. And so he had to learn in that stretch how to put the game on his back and he didn't have a choice. There was no deferring. There was no Franz has it going. I'm going to let him do his thing. Can you just talk about maybe what you learned from Paolo during this stretch where the team had been so battered and, and bruised there for a little while? What'd you learn about Paolo? Well, that's a great question. I think there's a couple of things. First is, I really, I really got to appreciate his temperament um, because teams were throwing all kinds of different defenses at him. Um, and so he was forced to, you know, rely and trust his teammates. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you make a play and you kick it to somebody and they, you know, Caleb Houston, right? Kick it to Caleb and he misses a shot. Kick it to Caleb, he misses another shot. Paolo, his temperament was he never, he never showed frustration. He never showed any of that. His leadership abilities really kind of stood out to me in that moment because Paolo would go back to him, right? Like he would, you know, he would, get Caleb the basketball again. And then, you know, if he knocked it down, you know, you saw the fist pump or, you know, something like that. It's um, I think as a young player, that's huge, right. To be able, because he knew that the pressure was on him and he knew that he was making the right reads. And if you make the right reads over and over and your teammates don't reward you with the bucket, um, that can be, that can be frustrating. And I think, um, so that was one of the things that I learned. The other thing is you hear Jamal Mosley talk all the time about Paolo's basketball IQ. Right. And so, you know, that's, we see that, right. Like we, we see some things that he does and you say, okay, he gets it. You know, the, you know, he's able to make some pretty good passes when, when defenses are, are, are built, are tailored just to stop you and to make life difficult for you when you haven't had that necessarily. I'm sure he did, you know, at Duke and maybe in high school and everything. But th- at this level, um, because we've had a full lineup, that teams haven't been able to do that, um, it really, it really puts a premium on your basketball IQ. 
So you, I think that's the other thing is the temperament and then watching him go through the process of seeing where the defenses were, where the, the double team was coming from or, you know, where they were loading up on one side of the floor on him, which was happening a lot, um, trying to make him make a difficult pass. Um, the adjustments he made and how quickly he picked that up, I think that's, you know, my biggest takeaway uh, from watching him during that stretch were those two things, I think. Um, you know, scoring, we know Paolo can score, right? Um, but being able to pick up all those other things, that's that's pretty impressive. Jeff, the last time that we talked, we we mentioned how during that win streak and all the success towards the beginning of the season, how ex expectations and, and sort of the standard might have shifted during that time. Now, since then, the Magic have dealt with a, a ton of injuries, and right now they're they're almost as healthy as they've been at any point during the season. Do you think so, sort of the the tough stretch that we've had recently have maybe shifted expectations back to where they should be at the beginning of the season? Sort of where are your expectations now, and how do you see the Magic getting there? Well, I, I, I you know, I, I think the easy thing is to say hey, you know, look, we had some tough times and we're right back. Uh, we're, we're right where we thought we would be, right? Like at the beginning of the season. I think, you know, like if you'd asked Jeff Weltman and Jamal Mosley at the beginning of the season, you know, you're two games over 500, you know, at the halfway point going into this, you know, this stretch, uh, you're in eighth place, they would have taken that, right? But to me, I, you know, I feel like, and again, this is just me. I don't, you know, I think the last time that we talked, um, I think I said this is like, I think the goal now, uh, the expectation is to try to be in those top six, right? If, if you've got this big home stretch coming up in March, right? And then you've got some, you know, some winnable games, obviously, home and on the road, um, <clears throat> taking yourself into April when you, you know, there are some tough ones. we got some tough trips and everything like that. I think that's where you want to be competing to try to stay out of the play in, right? Like you don't want a, your season to come down to something like that. If you're seven or eight, um, you don't want to be in the play in, right? If you're nine and 10, Oh, the play in is great, right? It's seven and eight, you know, you battled all season to get to this spot and then it's, you know, it could be one, two games and you're out. Um, instead of a you know seven game series, I think that's why the goal still should be um, to get that six spot, the six or above, right? And I don't see why with a healthy roster, um, if that's the big if, right? If we have a healthy roster and we start getting guys back, why we can't do that? I mean, we got healthy for one game against New York, and we you know, we handled them pretty well. Um, or excuse me, Miami, Miami, um, the Miami game at home. Um, and so I thought that said a lot. Now we, we had a back to back and we didn't have Mark L or J.I. Um, so that changed things for us a little bit, but if we're healthy and we have our pieces, I, I don't think you lower the expectations from where we talked about earlier. That's me. I don't know. I'm not speaking for Jeff or, J <laughs> or Jamal, but, you know, for me, I think um, you, you've proven that you can win at a high level in this league. Um, that's what you shoot for.
Yeah, we'll add that disclaimer. You know, the, the <laughs> thoughts that he's sharing are strictly his own. They do not reflect the Orlando Magic organization, so on and so forth. <laughs> Jeff. Unfortunately, All-Star. I wish that was true. If I, if anybody takes offense, I'll, I'll hear about it. So. <laughs> uh, All-Star voting has officially ended this past week. Can you just talk a little bit about you know, Paolo Bancaro, the way that he's played uh, this season, and, and whether or not you believe Paolo Bancaro should be playing in, in Indiana in a few weeks here? I definitely do. I mean, I think you, you look what he's done, um, you know, especially – um, in the month of January without, you know, Paolo or without Franz uh, playing alongside him with all the injuries, what he was able to do to keep this team, you know, it's connected uh, in the playoffs and, you know, some of the, the games that he, you know, put up, the numbers that he put up, um, I certainly, you know, think. I mean, you look at a guy, um, each month has improved his scoring output. We're in the mix, right? We're in the eighth spot. We deserve, you know, I would think as a team, you certainly would want to reward the Orlando Magic with a with a player, right, um, as one of the coaches' choice. Now, I, I, you know, I'm probably much like you guys and like the fans. You start looking at who the fans voted in, and then you start looking at the other people around the uh, conference who are equally deserving probably, um, and you wonder where this is all going to play out. But I think Paolo – has done enough um, to deserve a, um, an all-star selection. A couple of questions here, Jeff, before we uh, before we wrap up our time with you here. Shaq, officially uh, going to be the, the first jersey retired in, in, in the history of the Orlando Magic. Could you just speak a little bit about the time that you got to spend with Shaq and his time here and, you know, just, uh, you know, share your, your feelings on his uh, retirement, uh, jersey retirement announcement. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really... You know, I, I'm pretty been pretty outspoken about this, but I think it's, uh, you know, if the, he had to be the first, right? Like I, I just, um, you know, I was talking with uh, some people the other day and, you know, everybody is, you know, a lot of times people will like, yeah, but like he left us, you know, like he was only here for four years and he left us. And, uh, you know, my, my point to them is name, name a star, who has left a franchise and everybody's thought, Oh, well, good for him. You know, it just doesn't happen when you lose a great player, there's bitterness, right. And, and things are said, but my point to my friends was focus on the four years, focus on the four years and what happened to this franchise with him uh, as, as the central figure, what happened for the city of Orlando and, you know, and this, in Central Florida over those four years. Um, you know, we were, you know, I, I laugh and I said, you know, we were the same team, right? Basically, so we were an expansion teams. That third year, uh, you know, we won what 20, 20 games, 21 games. So we get the first pick, right? <clears throat> we get Shaquille and we didn't really add anybody to the roster. It was the same roster. And then we added Shaquille O'Neal too, right? And then he elevated the rest of us so well that we won 20, 20 plus one more games. The only way we didn't make, there was, it went down to a fourth tiebreaker uh, for us to be eliminated from the playoffs. Um, You know, just crazy set of circumstances. Um, And then after that, boom, you know, that now we're a 50 win team uh, going forward. 
And, you know, so to me, um, you know, like there's, there's all kinds of things, right? Just his personality, what he brought to the court. You know, we, I tell people, you know, those days with Shaq, all of a sudden, you know, we're, we have a charter plane. All of a sudden, uh, we're staying in the nicest hotels. You know why? Because we couldn't stay at the Holodome or wherever anymore because there were other people there. We He had to have security because he was so big and so popular. You know, we, we, I, you know, my joke is we were like the Rolling Stones. I mean, we would get into uh, a hotel, um, you know, two in the morning and there'd be a hundred people outside, you know, all yelling shack, shack, shack for what had been an expansion team. Um, so he just elevated everything. He was such a big personality. He put Orlando, the Orlando magic on the map. Here's the other thing that I, I think people sometimes don't think about. Tracy McGrady, right, grew up in Central Florida and was an Orlando Magic fan. A lot of that, you know, and, and he grew up watching those teams with Shaq and Penny. You know, obviously Penny was his favorite player he could relate to and everything. But, you know, he grew up watching those guys, right? And so who knows if we're still just, a, you know, an expansion team a la you know, Charlotte or Minnesota for years, right? Does does Tracy McGrady even want to come to Orlando? Does he want to be part of that when free agency starts, right? Can we get a Grant Hill? Can we get free agents like that if we hadn't had the success that Shaquille gave us um, during those uh, teams of the, 90, the early 90s? So, you know, I'm I, maybe I'm biased because he's my teammate and I love him to death, but I saw it firsthand um, you know, who knows, you know, like if any of us would still, you know, be around, you know, maybe, you know, we don't get Shaq. They make changes. Jeff Turner's playing somewhere else. Nick Anderson's playing somewhere else. Dennis Scott, you know, without Shaq, you know, are those guys still, you know, considered magic royalty? You know, who knows? Um, it's just he brought so much attention and made all of us so much better. Um, I, I just think, you know, it's an easy choice and it had to be the first guy up there for me. Last question here, Jeff, and we'll, we'll leave you with this. There seems to be a calculated but welcomed uh, push by the PR team recently uh, surrounding the the Orlando Magic theme song, you know, play the song. Play you were here... Play the song, baby. You were here when the, the song was introduced. What has it been like for you to sort of see that song, like its revival, fans embracing it, and now this like organizational push to make play the song a thing? It is so funny because like David Steele um, has for years said, why don't we bring back the theme song, the Orlando Magic theme song? We we love that song, right? So, you know, it's so funny because, you know, there's always a run-out song, right? Like, so in those early years, you know, every time we ran out on the court, we ran out to the Orlando Magic theme song, right? And um, it's funny because... <laughs> That's kind of embarrassing, but we really didn't know all the words, right? Like we didn't know all of the words and certain things sounded, you know, like how songs are certain things sounded differently. So the joke was, so there's a, there's a part of the song where it, it goes, there's a heartbeat 
pounding in the street. You, you know, if you if that's, but it's a heartbeat pounding in the street, you know, kind of one of those deals. I don't sing very well, but there you go. Uh, <clears throat> for forever, it sounded to, we used to laugh because we weren't sure, but it sure sounded like there's a hockey puck in the tree. So instead of heartbeat pounding in the street. So we would just sing it as, um, there's a hockey puck in the tree, you know, just, it's just, you know, there's just so many, it's sort of like Kapaya. It's just ties you to another time and place in the organization when that song was ever Pat Williams had that commission. That song was everything. Uh, and it's just so great now that it's coming back and, you know, we're pushing it more to play that song, play that song when we win. So I'm glad people like it. Um, it is a good thing though, to go ahead and get the sheet music and figure out the words before you start making things up. Like I did. We're trying to, <laughs> as fans, we're trying to make it a thing. Like, you know, last year, the Sacramento Kings had light the beam. Yeah. If they were up, you know, 12 or 15 points with a few minutes to go. The entire arena would be chanting, light the beam so we're yes. trying to turn that into play the song yes. at the end of games hasn't exactly caught on yet but we're nonetheless we're going to uh, keep trying to to push that jeff so okay i like it i think it'd be great all right well jeff turner thank you all as always for for taking the time here we've got uh what are we 23 and 21 so 44 games so we've got another 38 games to go here and then okay. hopefully we'll have some uh, some playoff basketball to, to talk about here uh, come April and, and come May. So try to get some rest. Got another uh, road trip coming up, and then you'll have a, a nice uh, all-star break. So, Jeff Turner, thanks Love so it. much uh, for taking the time. Always good to talk to you. All right, guys. Good to talk with you all. Thanks, Jeff. There's a hockey puck in the tree. <laughs> Jeff Turner, always a lot of fun. Always appreciate his time. His insight. He does not have to take time out of his schedule to come and talk with us like a night off that he doesn't have to think about the magic, that he doesn't have to, to talk about the magic, that he's not traveling. He's home with his family and he takes the time out to come and talk with us. Always appreciate that. Always a ton of fun. A big shout out to Uncle Jeff, Jeff Turner. One thing that he said that he said it and it just clicked and registered and I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. When he was talking about the Orlando Magic theme song, he said that Pat Williams was the one that commissioned the song. It would not Makes surprise sense. me. It would not surprise me if it was all his idea. Like it wasn't just that he had the final say. I'm I am pretty confident he's the one who came up. Just like knowing Pat's personality, being the cheerleader that he is, always a good time. It, it had to have been him and just like the upbeat vibe of it. I am sure he cast the vision for that song and they delivered. So shout out to him. A legend been on the show before friend of the pod, you know, but, uh, but yeah, that, that, that was one thing he said that I was like, I should have known. I should have thought about that and known that was definitely a Pat thing. Yeah. He talked about it on our pod, but if you haven't, it's one of the more recent pod squads that they did with uh, with Sid Powell, where they were talking about they would get to these hotels at 2 a.m. on the road. There'd be hundreds uh, sometimes of people outside of the hotels. And one night, Jeff Turner is getting off the bus 
and a fan calls over, Jeff Turner, Jeff Turner. And Jeff walks over and the kid's like, can you get Shaq's autograph for me? <laughs> like the kid knew he wasn't going to get Shaq's attention, but knew calling out Jeff, he would get Jeff's attention. And then that was his opportunity to weasel his way to Shaq. So he didn't talk about that on our, our pod, but he talked a little bit about Shaq and the, the time that you know, they got to spend together when we asked him about the, the Jersey retirement. So that was a lot of fun. And yeah, you just, you get the feeling that this team just needs to get healthy, Luke. And we talked to Jeff before we started recording and he was the one that sort of snapped my perspective back that, Hey, you would have asked us, would we take this exact same scenario four months ago? Everybody overwhelmingly would have said yes absolutely give us 23 and 21 you know 44 games into the season we're all over that so appreciate jeff taking the time luca we got a a few more games here this week play memphis tomorrow then on sunday we're home for phoenix would be awesome to get two wins to end the week here it would i'm checking real quick to see if that heat game has finished up yet they were playing tonight uh yes they lost to the grizzlies so the Miami Heat, as you guys already know, or maybe you don't, you're listening to this first thing Thursday, Miami Heat and the Pacers are both one game up on the Orlando Magic. Again, like I said at the beginning of the show, Pacers and the Heat have some challenging games up ahead. The Pacers got the Sixers, and the Heat have the Celtics on TNT tonight, Thursday, as y'all are listening to this. So Magic could be a half game back going into that game against the Grizzlies on Friday. That'd be a big win to get because you got the you you do have the tiebreaker against the Pacers, and you'd be sitting at seventh, and then uh, just going to Sunday's game, get try to get a win there in Phoenix, the six p.m. Eastern tip off. So there is a chance that with a a win over Memphis, that the Magic go from eight to six. If I'm reading these standings correctly. And if you're able to to get the win Sunday over over Phoenix, that'll definitely do it. If that if a, if a win over Memphis on Friday doesn't, so win a, win a couple of games here, and you have a, a reasonable expectation that you should be sitting at six as we turn into the next week. I think that because the Heat are they have the tiebreaker, correct? Yeah, because they they beat us twice, right? Um, with a loss for them and a win for us, it would make us equal in the standings so they have that tiebreaker but then they do play on saturday against the knicks at 3 p.m at madison square garden so hopefully that's the game they drop and then the magic can move up even further there to the sixth spot that would be incredible all right let's wrap this one up again a big thank you to to jeff to jeff turner uh for luke sylvia this has been jonathan osborne you all have been listening to the six man show and we will catch you guys next time see you Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Hey, 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.